can't judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. (laughs) So, um... (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Welcome if you back. hear any crashes and bangs and strange noises, that means there. I won. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but seriously, the, my landlady was like, hey, so they're going to work on the roof today. And I was like, cool, I'm going to record a podcast today. So that's fun. <laughs> We're going to work around it. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I will try to edit out anything major, but if you hear anything. In the background, that's what it is. So we're, we're just doing our best here. But actually, we wanted to welcome everyone back because we did record our last few podcasts a bit in advance. Yeah. And the reason for that was... Because I got married. That's right. Kim got married. It so. was fun. It was on September 11th. Yep. It was a really beautiful day. The week before, it had rained. And the week after, it had rained. So it was absolutely perfect. You were there. I, I was there. I was there in my bridesmaid dress and everything, just like I was supposed to. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing that, for showing up. Yeah. And that whole weekend was really great. Like, we drove out there Friday morning for, like, the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. It was a really good weekend. We started out, and our Google Maps was set to no highways, so it told us it was going to take us, like, four hours to get to this place that should only take an hour and a half to yeah. get to. But we didn't notice until we got to Jersey, and it told us to go off the road and we were just like no nope that's not right this is crazy but i was so anxious i was like why does it say four hours we're gonna get there so late like i was so upset and then it was like oh set to no highways which i don't understand why google maps did that but yeah okay my google maps has never done that before but but we got there and we got there on time so it was all good early even yeah a little early yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite like little moments from the wedding was when the photographer was like, okay, I love that y'all are doing your own makeup, but I like to get a picture of someone doing the bride's makeup. So can you just like <laughs> fake it? And everyone else was busy putting on their makeup and I don't wear makeup. Mm-hmm. So I got volunteered to be the one to pretend to put on Kim's makeup. It was great. I just like handed you a brush and you just like dabbed it on my cheeks <laughs> i don't even know what you were supposed to be putting on it's really funny because i was barely wearing makeup yeah i guess what was my favorite part of the wedding uh that the ceremony was nine minutes <laughs> i mean it was so maybe quick. just actually getting married yes yes no that was fun i'm like walking down the aisle like i thought i was gonna be much more nervous than i was and then everything was just happening and my now brother-in-law was the one that married us yes so he did the ceremony. He did a really good job. He just didn't tell people to sit. Yes, that was so, so funny. And I was like, that okay. was weird. Yeah, I looked over and I'm like, why is everyone still standing? So then I like feel what had started his vows. And I was just like hand motioning people to like sit. And it's funny because we had like a GoPro set up at the back. So like half of the ceremony is people standing in front of the GoPro and we're like, oh, oh damn no. it. But like not really. I mean, the ceremony is nine minutes long. So three minutes of it is people standing in front of it. It was literally the fastest wedding ceremony I've ever been at. I mean, yeah. ours was pretty quick, but I still think it was probably like 15 or 20 minutes, which, yeah. which is fine. It's the ones that go for like anything over an hour. I'm like, what, yeah. what are you doing? Here? We didn't want like Goodbye. people doing readings. Like we just, and even our vows, because we were, 
my fiance, well, my husband now, is a bit of an overthinker. And the more you give him to write, the more he's going to end up rambling. So I was like, hey, let's just shorten this down to like, let's promise each other five things. And like that's that. what we did. And it was really great. And like, <laughs> my vows were a little funny. I loved it. Like, I, I you just, both were. You both yeah. had moments in there where it made us laugh. So yeah, I it was that. just super sweet and very quick. And I only know it was exactly nine minutes because my friend Sam, who had a really short ceremony too, was like, that was nine minutes and 40 seconds. And I was like, no, it wasn't. She's like, yep. And then like the kitchen staff apparently wasn't ready. That's why there was, like, not a lot of orders at the beginning because they were just like, wait, what? People are coming in? Yeah. Because they do expect they do expect a ceremony probably to last about 15 minutes to a half an hour. Yeah, Yeah. it was scheduled for a half an hour, but we didn't we didn't rush it. It was just this is what it was like. We didn't want to do like any kind of ceremony that we thought like there was like. A sand thing and like a hand fasting. Like I kind of oh wanted God, to do we did hand the hand fasting. Thing. The hand was like, "This looks confusing. I don't want to do it." Oh no, we did hands in cement, but oh. it was like like a dollar store. Bar. <laughs> it was no, it was terrible. But we just got a good laugh out of it mm-hmm. more than anything. You know, it was just a way for us to get our siblings involved because we didn't have wedding parties. So oh yeah, uh-huh. but that yeah, was that's... that was many many moons ago. Yeah. Yeah, so all of you have just recently listened to our episode on what women wear. And I think we recorded that back in August sometime. Yeah. I think it was late August when we recorded that. So we just like a million years ago. Yeah, it was it was a minute ago. I mean, we're we're recording this just ahead of time of when it's coming out in October. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to keep closer to our release schedule now we can. But hey. You're not going to miss any episodes. They'll keep coming out every two weeks. No, because you've subscribed. So that's right. You're here for it. Well, we wanted to follow up a little bit on that last episode about what women wear and and sort of talking about maybe updates or things that have come to our attention since then. So mine is more like a, I guess it's a rant, really. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Old Navy and Target, they're great. They've got plus size options. But like, do they? Because when you go on their websites, everything over like a size 22 is sold out. Mm. And it's because they're not ordering enough. They're like, hey, fatties, we got this stuff for you. You want it? Get it quick because it's gone now. Oh, it's absolutely gone now. And And it's not even back order. No, they don't restock things. So like most of the fall stuff is like gone already. You would think that they would recognize that they keep selling out and and now start to produce more of these things in upcoming releases or and whatever just take my money because i want to give this to you so now what it means is like i have to physically go in the store and i hate that so like i was at target last week and i was able to get like sweater and like a cute like fall shirt because they had it in store but they had like one but yeah. when you i was like oh i don't really feel like trying anything on i'll just order it from online and it's like no you won't mm. there's nothing online hey do you go to target regularly i you, do because i go to some laundry detergent <laughs> i forgot it when i went no <laughs> I was supposed to go yesterday, but then I was doing podcasty stuff, mm-hmm. but yes. that didn't happen. Yeah, but and I those notes go. down for us while I was slacking. You were at Comic Con. I was. I was at New York Comic Con this past weekend, and uh, I loved everything about it. And it actually, you know, the crowds are smaller. It was nice. I was there Saturday, and yeah. it was very relaxing. At least comparatively, right? Oh yeah. And it actually gave us a few ideas. There were things that I was listening to, and I was like, oh. We should add this to our list. We Uh should add that to our list. I think I texted them to you, but I also didn't always have a signal, so you might not have gotten them. 
We went to a plus size cosplay panel, which was super interesting. Like yeah. there were so many things I didn't even think of because I'm like, I'm a very big fan of Halloween. And I'm like, if I cosplayed, I could do Halloween all the time. Like I'm, my costumes are like in depth and I'm like one of those like, get it from your closet people. So, and they talked a lot about that. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Your uh, adventures in babysitting cosplay costume that is one amazing. It's amazing. I don't know if you've, I mean, if your life hasn't been graced by seeing adventures in babysitting, you should stop this right now. Go watch that. Come back. Or, you know, finish listening and then go watch it. I mean, <laughs> do, do what you will, but you should, that should be next on your list of things to do because Adventures of Babysitting is like the best movie. Ooh, maybe we'll put it on the, um, not the movie, but like my costume. We'll put that on the Instagram okay. because it's very good. Like it's, yeah, share it, it in our, in one of our off weeks or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. It's very detail oriented. Like, at one point, the character has a, a Playboy in her backpack, and I got a Playboy from the same year. I couldn't get the same month, but I got the same year. All right. Yeah. I'm a weirdo with stuff like that. I love the detail, though. Yes. I do. But it's good because no one knew who I was the whole time. Two people knew. I feel knew. like people either know or they don't know. No, right? And, when and they you get do, excited when, when you they do know. When they know, they're like, oh, my God, can I take a picture? Because, right. like, that's so good. Yes. Yeah. It's a good time. You also had an issue with your phone. We were talking about pockets. So I, it's become such an unconscious thing, subconscious, I don't know, not in the forefront of my brain. Sure. Whatever. I hold my phone in my hand because it doesn't fit in my pocket. So I was walking and I was in, ugh, I was in the Times Square train station, which is the worst effing place to be. And I'm just mad that this happened there. And I was like rushing up the stairs and I tripped up one of the steps and I put my hands out to brace myself and I put the hand with the phone. So now I've cracked the bottom corner of the screen of my phone. And I was just like, if I had pockets, like I got so mad about it. I know one listener at least who will uh, appreciate this rant because she and I were talking about pockets or we were talking about phones and, and screens and everything. And literally the same day she left the office and she cracked her phone. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, poor it's thing. It's the worst. It's absolutely yeah. the worst. And it's like it's not it's not broken. It's just cracked. My phone works perfectly fine. So I cannot justify purchasing a new one. But I hate looking at it now. And I just get reminded of the stupid time in Times Square and no pockets. When my pockets weren't freaking big enough. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, I got to stop holding this because I don't want to make it worse. And then I tried to put it in my pocket and I was like, oh, that's why I was holding it. Because it just like juts out the top and then you walk weird. Yep. It was a mess. Anyway, we want to get back to our episodes on different women that have big reputations. Mm. So in this episode, we're going across the pond and then coming right back to discuss Meghan Markle, who is an American member of the British royal family and a former actress, but so much more. So we just wanted to give a trigger warning for this episode. There will be discussions of suicide and mental health. So we're going to talk about the things the media has said about her and the way she was treated by the royal family and their fans. First of all, a royal family should not have fans, but whatever. That's a oh, whole it's a other whole thing. thing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Anyway. We're going to share a little bit about Markle beyond the tabloids and the rumors. And lastly, we'll discuss where Markle is today and what she and her family have been up to. So I have a question for you. What do you know about the royal family? I mean, just the basic stuff, really. Uh, the queen... 
she's been around forever. She's like 90, yes. 90 something. Yeah. Prince Charles and Diana. I remember that whole thing with Diana mm-hmm. dying. And the Elton John song. <laughs> yes. That was originally written about, for Marilyn Monroe. And right. then got, yeah, that's kind of so sad. That's kind of like the extent I know too. And I know a bit about their sons and but very basic right and, yeah and also i know that the monarchy as a concept is outdated and ridiculous but that's that's a hot take and i'm gonna stick with it <laughs> if you had to guess how many movies and documentaries would you say that they've made about harry and megan i mean honestly They've only been together like a handful of years. There can't be that many. Maybe like, okay, I want to say there's probably like four, but because you're asking me this question, there's probably some like ridiculous number. There is 11. There is 11 movies and documentaries. There's eight documentaries and three Lifetime movies. And I feel like that's too many. Um, and the Lifetime ones are very questionable. Like, Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't know where, where they got their information, their writing. It's all – maybe don't watch it. But a lot of the documentaries are made by the BBC because, like, they just record things that they do and then play it and everyone there watches it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it kind of feels like it's a, a time capsule for the royals. But most of our research comes from Prince Harry and Meghan – Truly, Madly, Deeply, documentary directed by Mark Radence, Harry and Meghan, A Royal Engagement, a documentary directed by Sally Norris, and the CBS Presents Oprah with Meghan and Harry. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows that interview for sure. That's a big I one. I mean, even if you didn't watch it, you heard of it happening. Mm-hmm. Rachel Meghan Markle. And that's interesting. I guess I didn't realize that wasn't her first name. Yeah. I think it's for like acting, probably something to do with SAG. Yeah. Sometimes people change their names. And the alliteration. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So Rachel Meghan Markle was born August 4th, 1981, same year as me, and raised in Los Angeles, California. Her father, Thomas Markle Sr., worked as a director of photography and lighting on you know, various TV shows. Her mother is Doria Ragland, a social worker. They divorced when Markle was six years old. Despite the divorce, Markle spent a lot of time visiting her father at work. Every day after school, she would go to whatever set he was working on, and this is where she sort of caught the acting bug. When Markle was 11, her and her classmates started a letter-writing campaign to Procter & Gamble after viewing a sexist ad that implied that only women were expected to wash dishes. So there were boys in her class, and they were like, yeah, women belong in the kitchen. So she's quoted as saying, I remember feeling shocked and angry and also just really hurt. It wasn't right and something needed to be done. So Markle gathered all her classmates and they started writing to the likes of then U.S. First Lady Hillary Clinton, journalist Linda Ellerby, and attorney Gloria Aldred, and to P&G themselves. The news covered the story, and a few months later, Procter & Gamble changed the commercial for their ivory clear dishwashing liquid from women all over America are fighting against greasy pots and pans to people all over America. Honestly, that should just be a thing anyway, because, I mean, this is just a way to be inclusive no matter what, yeah. no matter who's doing the dang dishes. Mm-hmm. So for her, she's only 11, like we said, but this was a glimpse into 
just how much power her voice had. This outspoken personality trait will definitely show up again. Yeah. And you know what? Good for her. Yeah. She graduated from an all-girls Catholic school, then headed to college. She is the first in her family to do so. She moved to Everston, Illinois to attend Northwestern University, and during her junior year, she interned at the American Embassy in Buenos Aires. By 2003, Markle earned her bachelor's degree with a double major in theater and international studies. She literally is my age, and, like, my degree was a double major in Spanish and international. Are you the same person? <laughs> Are you yes. Megan Markle? I am Megan Markle. Don't tell Ashley, because she'd be so <laughs> jealous that I am actually married to the Prince of whatever, England. <laughs> no, not England. Well, is he even a prince anymore? I don't know whatever no, he gets to but be. we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> So at this point, Markle's graduated, she's back in California, and she's looking to try her hand at acting. So in an essay for LUK, Markle wrote about the difficulties of trying to forge his career as a biracial actress. She states, I wasn't black enough for black roles, and I wasn't white enough for the white ones, leaving me somewhere in the middle as an ethnic chameleon who couldn't book a job. You know, you hear a lot about that, actually, too, yeah. and that sort of ambiguity. I, I know a lot about that through the Latina, like Afro-Latina actresses that I talk about with my students because mm -hmm. many of them are forced into, like, okay, you can either be Latina or you can be black. Yeah. But being an Afro-Latina, mm, I don't know if we have a role for that. Mm -hmm. Like, what? If there are people like that, there can be roles like that. Exactly. Like, just make the space. Honestly, this, this issue is nothing new for her. In an interview with Vanity Fair in 2016, Markle speaks about being a kid and having to fill out a form at school. And I'm sure many of our biracial listeners can understand this, right? The form asked her for her race, and it had a box for black and for white. And she was like, well, picking one over the other is choosing between her parents. Mm -hmm. So she left it blank, went home, and she told her dad about it. And he told her that she shouldn't have to choose and that if it happened again, she should draw her own box. And I love that way of approaching the topic, yeah. but with his child. But it's it's also kind of icky because she now feels like she doesn't have yeah. a place to She's belong. so othered that there's not a place for her, like she's not being considered in even just this, this regular form. Now, but I love the concept of like making your own box. It's like bringing your own seat to the table. Like her parents always taught her to be respectful, but to still advocate for herself. She's a self-proclaimed struggling actress for years. She's living in LA. She's going to audition, to audition, to audition. She's not from a wealthy family, so she leans hard on the gig economy. Yeah, and, and the gig economy even within acting, right? Yeah. So she's had a laundry list of jobs. She was a calligraphy artist. She actually did the invitations for the wedding of Robin Thicke and Paula Patson. Okay. Which, like, they're divorced now. But I'm sure her calligraphy was amazing. She was a gift wrap artist at a stationery store, which sounds like fun. And I want to see, like, someone do this. Like, I want to see a display. Yeah, it's not just, like, gift wrapping attendant. It's a gift wrapping artist. artist. Like, she would teach people how to do it, too. So Love that it. sounds kind of cool. Hostess at a restaurant... That Not surprising. Seems, She's yeah. an, an actress. Yeah. Um, she was a briefcase opener on Deal or No Deal. Alrighty then. Which is which sounds more fun than hostess, but still. She had a lot of one-time roles. She was on CSI, The League, Knight Rider, and General Hospital. 
She's also an extra in a Troy Amos music video, and she was an extra in an Ashton Kutcher movie. But in July 2011, she landed her first big role in Suits, a USA Network show about lawyers. Have you seen the show? I have not, but I, I don't think I've had cable since 2011. Oh. So. <laughs> so I knew of this show just because USA does a really good job of, like, marketing things. Uh-huh. But I never watched it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it. Yeah, but I think I'm gonna because I like her now. Okay. I'm not like I didn't like her before, but like I'm more interested now and I want to see it. Yeah, digging in. Yeah. The same year, 2011, Markle married Trevor Engelson. He's a film producer and the two had been dating for about six years. Not much is really known about their relationship, not publicly anyway, but they were married on a beach in Jamaica and they later separated in a no-fault divorce and cited irreconcilable differences for the split. So it sounds like it was... Kind of amicable, yeah. you know, at least. There, no there bad wasn't, blood. Yeah, I mean, for as little as we know, mm. anyway. Well, when everything starts to happen a bit later, he is not someone who comes forward with any, like, tawdry stories about her. So, respect them. Yeah. So, Mark ends up moving to Canada. That's where they film Suits. She's making a steady paycheck on Suits. She started a lifestyle blog called The Tig. Okay. So, this website gave people deep, deeper insight into her. Between writing about her shopping list, uh, her experiences as a biracial child, and her favorite vacation spots, she interviewed some celebrities. She interviewed Yara Shahadid from Blackish, Priyanka Chopra, and Serena Williams for her series called Tig Talks. Okay. All right. Well, good for her. And those yeah. are some, those are definitely some recognizable names. Yeah. And like they're all just friends now. She's just friends with Serena Williams now. So, right? <laughs> so the name comes, the name of the site comes from a Tigliatello wine. She stated in an interview that it wasn't just about red or white. Suddenly she understood what people meant by the body, the legs, the structure of wine. It was an aha moment at its finest. For me, it became a Tig moment, a moment of getting it. From that point on, any new interest, any new awareness, any new discovery or, oh, I get it moment was a TIG moment. All right. All right. So I that's like where it. she comes up with the name. Mm -hmm. I like that. Through the blog and acting, Megan is able to make connections. She has a passion for charity work and quickly gets recruited as a UN women's advocate for women's political participation and leadership. Uh, that's in 2015. In this role, she used her platform to advocate for women's rights, especially as they relate to gender inequality. You know, and this is the kind of stuff we love to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, in 2016, she traveled to Rwanda to assist with a clean water campaign as an ambassador for World Visions. The goal was to set up a series of wells in town. Young girls were missing so many days of school and missing their education because they had to walk for hours to get to these wells to get water for their family. Most of the time, the water they collected was dirty, and it ended up making them sick. Wow. Yeah. And so she was involved in this project of yeah. trying to help them bring clean water uh, to their... And she did. Yeah, they set up wells in town and there's like a really great video where there's this huge... It looks like a... I don't know how to describe it. It looks like a big wheel and you're, they're kind of like running around it, turning it and then like the water pumps up and there's a compare and contrast of like the water they were getting before which kind of resembled clay to this perfectly clear water. Wow. Yeah. And as of May 2018, almost 60,000 people now have access to clean water. Yeah, I mean, that's and amazing. that's a great thing for her to be involved in. And and 
seemingly, you know, not doing it for the kudos and the props of doing it, just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, just doing it to like advocate for people. And this is a huge impact for these kids because they're no longer spending full days traveling to get water. So they're in school, they're getting a better education. And while they're there, they might be more alert because they're actually hydrated. And honestly, all this stuff that you're you're bringing up about Markle, you know, it it does give me some Diana vibes to a certain extent. But, you know, obviously, this is long before she ever meets Harry anyway, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. She just had that same spirit. Yeah, that's and and it wouldn't be shocking to me that he was like intrigued by that. You know, at this time, Meghan Markle is acting. She's writing her blog. She's trying to save the world, you know. Basics, just like what you do or yeah. what I wish I did. Right. But, you know, she was dating a chef and that was for about two years, but it didn't work out. And then in July of 2016, a friend of hers offered to set her up on a blind date. Enter Henry Charles Albert David, the Duke of Sussex, his royal highness. Oh, my that's a lot of name. A.K.A. Prince Harry. That's easier. Just yeah. Prince Harry. For those who might not be familiar, Prince Harry is a member of the British royal family. He's the youngest son of Charles, Prince of Wales, and Diana, Princess of Wales. He's sixth in line to the throne. Diana set a great example by using her royal position to help others who might not have a voice. Harry was well known for his time in the British Army and his charity work. He had been a huge advocate for mental health and sexual health. He even got Rihanna to take a live HIV test on World AIDS Day with the goal of normalizing screenings. It seems like a logical match to me then. You know, like, yeah. he's doing this stuff on his own. She's doing that stuff on her own. Mm-hmm. It's not shocking to me that they would no. come together in this. Yeah, like, they definitely had themes in common. Yeah. But the British press is a little, mm, let's say, over the top when it comes to the royals. You know, the media at this point is in a frenzy to get the first photo of Megan and Harry, Megan and Harry. The couple, though, they do a really great job of dodging them, and they aren't seen together until well after their one-year anniversary. And you know what? Good for them. Right? Because Amazing. Th- to me, what this shows is they're, re- they're giving themselves time to develop their relationship for itself and yeah. not for anyone else, not mm-hmm. for the media, not for, you know, making a big splash. Yeah. But with no photos or real story, all the press has is speculation and fiction. And, oh, they love that. Mm-hmm. They need to know every last detail about this American. American. Oh, scandal. <laughs> you know, is one thing when Kate wasn't royal. Yeah. But at least she, she was British. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, the press also needs to sell papers and get their clicks. So they had a lot of terrible headlines. Mm-hmm. They were incredibly terrible. And there's one from November of that year. The Daily Star Online announced, <clears throat> Prince Harry can marry into a gangster royalty. His new love is from a crime-written Los Angeles neighborhood. The royal's future mother-in-law still lives in Crenshaw, surrounded by bloodbath robberies and drug-induced violence. That was a headline. All of that was a headline? That was, yeah. Like, also, like, why are their headlines so long? But, like, that was a headline. So Ooh. you're going to get your clicks. You're going to get people buying your newspapers. And, like, none of Gangster the- royalty. Gangster royalty. Yeah. So, like, for one, 
She doesn't. Like, her mom lives 30 minutes away in a town called View Park, Windsor Hills, and they have a Trader Joe's. So, relax. (laughs) Two, what if she did? Like, what does it matter? What would Markle growing up in gang violence do to make her gangster royalty? If that's the case, then we're all gangster royalty with the gang violence in America. Yeah, I mean. Or gun violence. (sighs) To play devil's advocate, but, like, not really, I feel like the idea that black people grow up in violence is a very heavy Hollywood trope. So you think, like, the British tabloids were just running with that trope? Like, that's what they know. It's like, oh, I see black people on TV, and they're all in gangs, and they all do drugs, so this is where it came from. But they are also journalists, so do better, know better. Like, I, I, I expect more from them. Yes, so some of the other headlines included Megan, mixed race divorcee cougar, which she is mixed race, but something just feels real wrong about saying it like that. When you can just say biracial, like that's a word too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense. And cougar, like she's three years older than him. Yeah, the the whole like mixed race thing, at least, you know, as an identifier, people may choose that and that's that's their business, right? Mm-hmm. But when it's the press sort of putting it on her, yeah, I don't know. It gives me those like Harry Potter vibes, like it's a mud blood, it's Ew. like which, yeah, that you know, sounds super and, and it was. I mean, yeah. you definitely got that vibe reading the book. So mm-hmm. and three year age difference. I'm I'm a cougar then because I'm four years older than my husband. Oh. So well, I I'm younger than than Sean. So. <laughs> so he's the predator <laughs> yes he's he's my uh i don't know what he is sugar daddy is that what it is you're a sugar baby <laughs> yeah well somebody needs to show us the money where's the where's sugar, the sugar? <laughs> <laughs> he heard that he's in the other room and he heard that <laughs> yeah, yeah he's 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 bringing the sugar home every week uh-huh <laughs> no i mean he's fantastic at that but like that term is just icky to begin with yeah so i also don't like the terms because it reduces this whole person down to three mere words and pushes the narrative that she's just this divorced old older woman looking for something be it fame money power who knows because these articles again are vague as fuck but they all spark this idea that something is not pure in this relationship. You know, and and speaking of impure, right, many racist Twitter trolls claim that the prince should not be allowed to date a biracial person as it would disrupt the idea of blue blood royal purity. That's so gross. That's really gross. Ugh. So I guess to preserve that, it should just be all inbreeding. Well, listen, the last <laughs> time that happened, the... I don't remember who they were, but there's like the royal family that was so inbred he couldn't even have children and he was like really scary looking. I need to Google this. I don't know what you're yes. talking about, but I'm so interested. Oh my gosh. I, I'm i blanking on it right now. I know it and somebody's probably shouting out to us, but feel free to tweet at us, the royal family that I'm talking about that I can't come up with right now who he was. But yeah. Oh, it was Ugh. terrible. Someone had actually even taken clips from Markle's television show and put them on Pornhub. So this made her a porn star? Yeah, that's the natural leap, right? Yeah, I mean, so we get the headline, Harry's Girls on Pornhub. I mean, it's not a lie, but it is super tacky and very, very misleading. 
And you would expect journalists, I'm, I'm using quotes, to be higher than that or above that, right? Like you could see that this is not really a story, so let's move on. But everything was a story. Yeah. Yeah. So Markle becomes the most Googled woman of 2016. These stories and headlines are sometimes the first impression that people are getting about her. And it's damaging. Yeah, it it absolutely is. Uh, November of that same year, Harry released a statement via his communications secretary. Because, you know, you got those when you're royalty. Yeah, he's not just going to talk to us directly. (laughs) Uh, But he does it to express his concern, right? And in his statement, he mentions that for years, the media has put out fictional stories about him. And despite it all, he still has a professional relationship with them. However, his girlfriend would not be a part of that. And so here's the statement. Some of this has been very public. The smear on the front page of a national newspaper, the racial undertones of comment pieces, and the outright sexism and racism of social media trolls and web article comments. Some of it has been hidden from the public. The nightly legal battles to keep defamatory stories out of papers her mother having to struggle past photographers in order to get to her front door, the attempts of reporters and photographers to gain illegal entry into her home, and the calls to police that followed, the substantial bribes offered by papers to her ex-boyfriend, the bombardment of nearly every friend, co-worker, and loved one in her life. Prince Harry is worried about Miss Markle's safety and is deeply disappointed that he has not been able to protect her. It is not right that a few months into a relationship with him that Miss Markle should be subjected to such a storm. He knows commentators will say this is the price she has to pay and that this is all part of the game. He strongly disagrees. This is not a game. It is her life and his. I feel like we've talked about that before with uh, this is just the price you pay for fame or, you know, you're owed this somehow, but... You're not. You're not. Your family doesn't owe it to anybody to, like, be bombarded while they're just trying to get to their car. Right. Like, your whole life story is not just, like, a complete open-door policy. And the royal family, they've never had to do this before. All their suitors have been very well vetted or at least from the same social circles. Like, you mentioned Kate before. Like, she wasn't royalty, but, like, she was at least British and, like, they knew of her family. she was still, like, upper class. Yeah. They went to that same school. Yeah, she went to, like, a finishing school. So, like, she knew what was expected. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Mortal Kombat. Finish them. (laughs) So, I'm assuming a lot here, but I feel like maybe this was done as a way to reassure her, like, hey, it's not always gonna be like this. She was probably having doubts. Like, maybe they were, she was even, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because it was still very early in their relationship, right? And all of this was already happening. So maybe he was like, I'll talk to my people. He sees the problems. He's standing up to them rather than telling her, you know, have thicker skin. This is just how it is. Like it speaks volumes about who he is as a person. But he was trying to reassure her. And in his statement, it's not just him speaking to the press. He's also speaking to his fellow Brits, people who – People who had been there since he was a child and have watched him grow up. Right. You know? And saw what happened to his mother as well. Yeah. So, finally, their first public outing was at the Invictus Games in September of 2017, more than a year after they started dating. So, the Invictus Games are a Paralympic-style sporting event for injured service members. It was started by Harry in 2014. Like, this episode isn't about him, but he's just, like, very cool. Yeah. You know, um... He definitely is very privileged in his own ways, but he is yeah. 
he is trying to do something to give back. And, yeah. and you know, the whole step in the way is. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, coverage of his time in the uh, army. Mm-hmm. And many people came forward and were like, he was like, just call me Harry. I don't have a title here. Like, right. let me lift this weight for you. Like, he seems like a very decent guy. He was like, I have understood that I grew up with like all of this, but like, I'm here to be helpful right now. All right. Yeah. So look into him if you want. So Harry and Meghan's engagement was announced shortly after that on December 27th. To some people, it was a huge deal. You know, this American is about to become a princess. Ooh. The idea that the royal family is going to have an actress join them. That's, that's an interesting thing, mm-hmm. too. It's very reminiscent of Grace Kelly, right? Who was an American actress that, after starring in several films in the 1950s, became the Princess of Monaco by marrying Prince Rainier III in April 1956. It was the glitz of Hollywood and the regality of the royal family all rolled into one. But sadly, it was sprinkled in with some racism, or some racism was sprinkled in with it. Mm -hmm. Harry's request for peace was honored for a time, but now there's a wedding. So I kind of want to pause and talk about the wedding. Did you watch it? Okay, I did some kind of, but not really by choice. Um, <laughs> my sister Ashley is a huge fan of the British royal family, and mo- oh. mostly Harry. Okay. Mostly Harry, though. Smart. Smart um, yeah. And we were in Texas at the time, and she actually set an alarm to get up and watch it. I really? think it was like 4 a.m. or something, yeah. Texas time. I also saw some of Will and Kate's wedding back in 2011, I think it was. Yes, 2011. I remember it because it was on my birthday and I wouldn't let Ashley watch it until the next day. (laughs) You didn't want to spend your birthday just watching watching two British people get married? Yeah. No. No, I did not. The celebration. (laughs) Happy 30th to me. (laughs) So I watched Meghan and Harry's and completely on accident. Like I was having some like weird bout of insomnia that week and I woke up and was like, I make myself some tea and just like sit here and like watch something. And I made English breakfast tea. So I took it as a sign that I needed to watch this. <laughs> I was flipping through and I saw it and I was like, oh, wait, this this means I should watch it. Right. And then I remembered that Gina Torres was on Suits and I was wondering if she was going to be there. So I started just watching it to see if I would see Gina Torres and then just ended up watching the whole thing. And it was a very beautiful wedding. Okay. Lots of. I don't remember enough. It was. Her train was like ridiculously long choo choo (sighs) (laughs) I wish you could see my face (laughs) oh they can see it they don't need to see it to see it Ugh. (laughs) anyway moving on (laughs) there's an article written for the New York Times uh, John Jost uh, NYU professor states I suspect that some people are simply drawn to the glamour of royalty and the fantasy that some very, very special people are living opulent, extravagant lives, and this could be a way of transcending our mundane realities. He goes on to say that for people living alongside the royal family, perhaps we hope that they will protect us and take care of us as a reward for our adulation. That's how this works out in fairy tales, at least. Yeah, and uh, speaking of fairy tales here in the U.S., that's how we get princesses, right? Yeah. You know, Disney makes sure that all these little girls go through the princess stage. Mm -hmm. Mm, Some are shorter than others. My princess stage was pretty short. 
It wasn't. But a, I did. It wasn't so commercialized when I was a kid. I don't think I ever was a princess person. I I had like a tutu. There yeah. was a little crown happening, but it wasn't maybe like a year. Yeah. Well, the magical princess energy mixed with the pomp and circumstance of a wedding definitely makes a royal wedding an event. Brittany Bagnell, a celebrity journalist, speaks to the fascination young women have with royal weddings. She states, This has opened many young girls' eyes, showing that this can happen to them, that they too can be a princess. I think that Brittany needs to relax. Like, <laughs> whether or not being a princess is something to aspire to, like, that's not the focus of what we're doing here. It's not, though. But I don't think that that's something that can just happen. We've had, like, two examples in 70 years. You have Megan and you have Grace Kelly. Like, how many of the people are just plucked out of their, you know, I work at Starbucks and now I'm a princess? Like, that's Well, and not... that's the thing. Neither of them just worked at Starbucks. Exactly. They were Hollywood actresses. Yeah. Their circles, it, it's less shocking that their circles would overlap yeah. at some point. Like, don't let Britney think that this is just going to happen to you. So Meghan and Harry's wedding has been estimated to have brought a boost to the British economy to the total of 500 million pounds between tourism and merchandise. So much Got money. your Harry and Meghan t-shirts. Little cups, little teaspoons. I did see those. They're oh, like little like, spoons with their face like on a them. a British teacup too, like the little china cup maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm making stuff up now. No, you're not. That was a thing that was there. <laughs> I saw those. Those who couldn't travel watched to the tune of 27 million viewers in the UK and about 29 million were reported to watch in the US. The fact that 29 million Americans watched this wedding. I was one of them. I know. I know. You were one of them. At the end. I caught the end. Yes. I think they were driving away. But that's so many people. Um, I know there were like watch parties too. And I was just like, I'm not gonna get up early to watch that. And then I did like Yeah, but I wouldn't get up early to like go to someone's house and all hang out together to watch it. No. It was and this was pre Zoom, so. so yeah, no. Yeah. But if you did, tell us about it. Did you have themed food? Were there like tea cakes? Tea sandwiches, biscuits. biscuits. <laughs> Was there English breakfast tea? Earl Grey. Earl Grey. I want to know. I want to. I need to like Google this. I want to know like what a viewing party for this looked like. <laughs> it sounds like it could have been fun if it wasn't four a.m. Right. Yeah. Well, did they wear hats? Those fascinators. Ooh. I'm sure they did. Ooh. It's not a British wedding watch party without right? a fascinator. Doilies. I'm interested. <laughs> anyway, so at this wedding there was like six hundred people, which is like. Too many people, in my opinion. Um, my wedding had 86, so what do I know? Markle's one relative in attendance was her mother. Her family was pretty small. On her father's side, she has two half-siblings, Samantha and Thomas Jr. She'd been very private about the split, but her siblings were not. In a radio interview, Harry's discussing Meghan's first Christmas with his family. He describes how his family is huge and there's so many traditions, and he says, it's the family that she never had. And this line set ablaze with Megan's family. Yeah, Samantha and Thomas claim that based on the comment, Harry hasn't been given the full story. They come to the conclusion that Markle has lied or tried to erase her childhood because she is embarrassed. This doesn't seem like the case. There are many interviews you can point to where Megan speaks very highly about her father and her upbringing. So it, it seems maybe to be a bit of a defense mechanism on their part. Perhaps. Yeah. But the narrative of a spoiled princess definitely sells the papers. Samantha referred to her sister as a social climber who was narcissistic and always had a thing for princes. I mean, what? Yeah. But also, like, a lot of 
a lot of little girls did growing up. Right? So, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, it's not a lie. It's just, why are you saying it? Yeah. Samantha also claims that the dress Markle wore in her engagement photo shoot was excessive in cost, given all her charity work, and that she should be more mindful of her image. It's a weird balance, though, because she has to dress a certain way for this, like, royal family nonsense. But then if she dresses too much that way, Mm -hmm. then she's going to be judged on the other end of things. But I also think with things like that, it can be, okay, so I, first off, did she even pay for the dress? Maybe the designer gave it to her. If the designer didn't give it to her and she paid for it, now that designer's name is out there, that designer gets more business you know, it comes kind of like full circle. So it's not like she's just spending money to spend money. Everyone's going to to benefit from her wearing this dress. Mm-hmm. And I also think her sister just is that kind of a person. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll end up doing an episode on her in a few years when we learn some truth about oh, her. Who you knows? know what? Yeah. So maybe. So her sister, Samantha, maybe. Stay tuned. Um, she went on Twitter and declared that the Markle family is looking forward to our invites. No one has gotten one yet. Still waiting. Hope London is wheelchair-friendly. Excited. These tweets continued for weeks, and it sounds like, oh, it's just sweet, but it it's not. They're, like, very passive-aggressive Yeah, it definitely tweets. reads passive-aggressive to yeah. me, but... So, like, I clearly didn't have the same budget for my wedding. No? But, like, no. No? No. Uh. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I thought you did. I mean, it felt like it. <laughs> I just am very good about picking things. But I, would, I wouldn't have invited her either. Like, she's just any chance she gets to talk about Megan, she does. And she talks about her poorly. So why would I invite you to my wedding so you can get more talking points to, like, do your next diss interview? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Why would she be invited at this point? Yeah. And Megan's half-brother Tom wrote an open letter to Harry after weeks of not receiving an invite. Jaded, shallow, and conceited are words that appeared in this letter. He went as far as to tell Harry that Marion Markle would be the biggest mistake in royal wedding history. Tom urged Harry to call off the wedding. That's insane. Yeah, that's that's rough. Like, that's insane to do to just regular people you know, but to do on such a public level, that's absolutely insane. Like... I could understand if this was the reason why she was like, okay, I'm never speaking to you again. That seems fair enough. Her dad was invited because it's her dad. He had plans to go, but seemingly out of nowhere, these very clearly staged photos start to pop up of him. Uh, Thomas Markle told TMZ that he never meant to hurt Megan or the royal family when he made the deal to allow a photo agency to take photos of him getting ready for the wedding. Over the last few years, he's been ambushed by paparazzi who have photographed him in the most unflattering circumstances. Like, he's at 7-Eleven. He's buying beer. It's just, he's all disheveled looking. He's not prepared. You know, he's not prepared for having his photo taken. Thomas says the paparazzi approached him, offered him money, and he figured there was no harm in it, and it would help to recast his image. So in these photos that just look very cheesy, he's being measured for a suit and he's just like facing the front of the store where there's like a clear camera. There's another one where he's in an internet cafe looking at photos of Meghan and Harry online, but the screen is tilted completely towards the camera. Um, And then the last one, he's at a Starbucks reading a tourism book on Europe. So they're bad. They're just really terrible photos. And combined with the behavior of his other children, it it looks like they're ganging up on Markle. 
Later, Thomas said he suffered a heart attack six days before the wedding, but he checked himself out of the hospital so he could attend. Ultimately, he says he didn't go because he didn't want to embarrass the royal family or his daughter. So I think this is actually really sad. Like, it seems like he was trying, but in the worst ways possible. Later, it's revealed that Samantha was behind the fake photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And after months of negative press from the Markles, Meghan wed Harry in a ceremony at St. George's Chapel in Windsor. Meghan's mother, Doria, and her chosen family were there, including the cast of Suits. So now the two are married, and everyone accepts Markle, so this episode is over. Bye. <laughs> Funny. Not even close. So now Markle's on bigger stages. There's more and more events to go to now, including the Queen. So Markle's constantly being tested, and according to the headlines, she's failing. On June 26th, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry joined his grandmother, the Queen, to welcome young members of the Queen's leadership program to Buckingham Palace. Instead of doing the Duchess slant, she crossed her legs, and then remembered, and then autocorrected. This was a big mistake. Huge. What, that she did it wrong or that she corrected herself? (laughs) Both. Both. So I know you're thinking, like, what the fuck is a duchess slant, right? Absolutely, I'm thinking that. (laughs) So a duchess slant is basically when you slant your legs to the side and sometimes you tuck one foot behind the other. Do not confuse it with the Cambridge cross. Okay. (laughs) That's where you keep your legs straight and you cross your ankles while keeping your knees centered and together. So the whole idea is that you never cross your legs. Like, you don't put your knees on top of each other. I always put my knee on top of the well, other. That's why you're not royalty. Okay? <laughs> that's why <laughs> yes, you're Yes, that not is the royalty. only reason. <laughs> so I know there's at least follow-up thoughts. Like, who cares? It's just your legs. But apparently everyone. This was on the news. In newspapers and blogs. This is a sign of disrespect to the queen and yet another reason why a commoner didn't belong. Markle didn't go to finishing school and didn't grow up learning the rules. However, there was no grace period given. Also, these are stupid rules. The monarchy would disagree. Listen, (laughs) I've already stated my opinion (laughs) on the monarchy. Markle went to a wedding wearing, not her own, but another wedding. (laughs) Wearing a black and gray dress, and when she exited the car, her top button was open. <gasps> Scandal. Prompting this tweet, Megan stepped out in dark color like someone attending a funeral, and did she deliberately flaunt her bra for the camera? The bride, 27, and groom, 30, look young and cute, but Megan stole the show with her deliberate wardrobe malfunction. Deliberate. She wore pants one time. How dare she wore pants? And the Daily Mail wrote an article about it, insinuating that Markle needed to let us all know that she does wear the pants in this union. Oh, my God. I roll. (laughs) The comment section was filled with people questioning why she didn't just wear a nice dress and claiming that she wasn't princess material at all. Because, you know, if you're a princess, you can only wear dresses. Princesses don't wear pants. Pants are for men to hold their audacity in their pockets. We discussed this (laughs) last episode. So there have been so many ridiculous news items that have dragged Megan's name into the mud. And they were constant. They were just back to back. We're going to give you a quick rapid fire. Um, This is from an article called A Comprehensive List of All the Shit That Meghan Markle Had to Take from the British Press and Public, written by Kaylee Dre for Stylus. Wearing too much black clothing. Serving avocados in drought season. (laughs) Oh, that that sounds like a millennial targeting right? thing, too. 
sending out Christmas cards, being too showy about her pregnancy, wearing a controversial one-shoulder dress. Like the one I wore to your wedding? Yeah. And I'm still mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) You approve that dress. Don't even fool the audience. Closing a car door after exiting it. Having wrinkles on her knees. What? Yeah. There's, I have a photo of that one too. That'll go up on the Instagram. Like someone zoomed in. It was a whole thing. There are wrinkles on her knees. How dare she? Hugging a child in search of her Diana moment. Right. Because Diana, Princess of Wales, is the only person to ever hug a child. You know, you only hug kids so you look kind to other people. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, you just kick them in any other world. Mm -hmm. Harry's thinning hair. I'm sorry. I think we should blame Charles for that one. (laughs) Right? I'm like, that's genetics. That's age. Like, how is it? like, his hair's way better than the other one. Yeah, his brother. I mean, not to shame bald people because your genetics are your genetics. Yeah. But he definitely still has a lot more hair than William does. Yeah. William lost his hair, like, pretty early. I think that's the, like, a sign of being the heir to the throne or the second heir (laughs) to the throne. And lastly, Megan's hair was too long. She used hair extensions sometimes, and people don't like that. So I know that list was a lot. And imagine that was your everyday. Imagine all the things that you do or don't do are in full display to be critiqued. Yeah, there'd be plenty of things to critique me on for sure. <laughs> Honestly, though, but the, the biggest story to sell was the, the feud. This is in air quotes, the feud. Oh, yeah. And that was constantly simmering between Markle and her sister-in-law, Kate Middleton. From wedding dresses to pregnancies and baby names, the two have been put in a who-did-it-better situation. That's unfair. It really is. I mean, the media loves the narrative of women versus women, but obviously we're trying to shy away from that. Yeah. But this one had the added theme of classism and race. The British media are still going with the narrative that Markle is some poor black woman from the inner city. Kate is the posh one, the one you would expect to be married to a prince. When Kate does something, it's out of kindness. But when Markle does it, there's an ulterior motive. And, like, honestly, I don't have anything bad to say about Kate Middleton. I don't know anything about her. But, like, why do they have to pit one against the other? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they get along. Maybe they don't. That's not public knowledge, really. Right? I don't think it is. But, anyway, stop pitting women against women. So in May of 2019, the couple welcomed a new baby, Archie, and they moved out to Frogmore Cottage in Windsor. So it was still on the property, but it was larger, it was private, had less royal staff. But by now, Markle's only job was to be a royal, which comes with royal public duties. So acting and TIG, those things were all gone. The website was gone. I, that's the reason I'm not a princess, because I could not give up. They'd be like, sorry, princess, you can't do your podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah, like you can do this list of things. Would you like this? No. And it probably involves mm. embroidery. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I think, they, I think they've moved past the uh, embroidery stage okay. of right. uh, the royals. Maybe they're bedazzling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> in an interview, Markle is asked about some of the struggles she's facing being in the spotlight. And she speaks very openly about them. The struggles of being a newlywed, being a new mom, and how that butts heads, especially with the pressure from the British tabloids. 
In response to this, Piers Morgan, who is Piers Morgan, he's an actual troll. Like he lives under a bridge. He doesn't have a home. He's an actual fucking troll. He gave her a top 10 list of how to handle the media, which included stop complaining about privacy. You know, why would anybody want their life to be their own? How dare you want privacy? Right. Stop showing off. What does that even mean? How dare you like have pride in who you are? Yeah. And um, put your wokeness back to sleep. Ew. Yeah. I'm like, I just have disgusted face. Yeah. I just, there, there were more on that list. It's not worth going into because he's a true trash person. But yeah. that's the advice that he gave her. I actually feel dirty that we just even mentioned his name. Yeah. The couple is done. They're over it. Yeah. Right? It's been years of toxic behavior with no intervention from the royal family. And the couple takes matters in their own hands. So in January 2020, Harry and Meghan announced their exit from the royal family. They wrote, We intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to fully support Her Majesty the Queen. So the plan is to split time between the UK and North America so that their son Archie will know about his royal heritage. But at the same time, they're trying to give themselves some space. Yeah, I definitely think that was a smart thing to do because it wasn't working out for them. And this split was quickly dubbed Megxit by British tabloid The Sun. The Sun is like, they're the literal worst. Well, I mean, they have The Sun, The Daily Mail. They have lots of, like, we just have The Post here in New York, which is complete trash. But over there, they have a bunch of really horrible newspapers. Yeah. I think they're all owned by the same people, too. Probably. Megxit is a play on the term Brexit. It but, is? Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, it clearly tells you who they're blaming for the split, right? Like, it's not called Harry-exit. 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 Harry-up-and-leave. Maybe that's why it's not called that, because Megan's name just fits so much better. But, no, I think it was patriarchy, and, of course, it's the woman's fault. Yes, absolutely. Patriarchy, sexism, racism, all yeah. that good stuff. <laughs> Okay, so it seems like the perception in the British media is that Markle is a bully. She drove away her family, and now she's breaking up the royal family. That bitch. They even make it seem like she was taking Harry away from his family for sport, for funsies. Yeah. So she was just too much. She was pompous American who refused to follow royal protocol. So Cosmo has an article titled 72 Times Meghan Markle Has Broken Royal Protocol. It's worth a skim, but I think I've broken at least 10 today. There's something about no dark nail polish, you can't close your own car door, not wearing pantyhose. I think there was something about ponytails in there, and I've got a ponytail. Mm. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be allowed because I have short hair. Although I'm 40, so maybe I think once you get a certain age, you They don't even care hair. about you anymore. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> they just put you in another harsh, wing of the house and then that's it. Harsh but fair. People said that Markle seemed to have an agenda. Yeah, you know, the British media had a field day running headlines about the family being blindsided by the decision. Mm-hmm. Just because they were. Yeah. Markle had been rumored not to have even discussed the idea to leave with the Queen. They just moved. Again, making assumptions because... Yeah. Like, how would you know? You don't know. You don't know what I talked to my grandma about. Like, what are you talking about? Exactly. So speaking as a black woman, I thought, she's so light-skinned, she's not going to have African-American problems over there, right? 
they th- I think this is the perception from people in America. Like, she's only a little bit black. And colorism is bad, but it'd be working in her favor. And that's not what happened over there. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about the interview then. The interview. The interview with Oprah. Because Oprah is amazing. I mean, who else? Who's the better person to sit down and, like, discuss all this with, right? So they sat down with Oprah. Um, and they discuss their side of the story. Megan speaks about meeting the royal family for the first time and how she didn't do any research on them. Anything about the royal structure, she went in completely blind. She said that she was super naive when going into the relationship. Megan points out that she grew up around celebrities because she's from L.A., right? So she thought it was similar. You know, you run into celebrities. That's what the royals are, right? But they're not. It's They're so much more. They're extra. (laughs) So one example that she gives is meeting the queen for the first time and having to quickly learn how to curtsy in the front yard. She didn't think she needed to do those things behind the scenes. I'm like, neither did I. Like, that's – you're meeting your boyfriend's grandmother. Yes, she's the queen. freaking queen of england yes but i think that i know i didn't really understand that that's how that worked like for the public she's the queen but she's still just harry's grandmother yeah i mean that that's my mentality but i'm just like a lowly american no i and i mean so was megan like she came in with the mentality of like not romanticizing the idea about the royals it was just yeah they're this really important family but they're still like a family at the end of the day but it's it's not that simple yeah Markle spoke about being thrown into a world overloaded with rules, but never being given guidance on the formalities of the role. So it turns out it's it's not really like the Princess Diaries. No, there's no class. <laughs> there's no one to teach you to be like Big Moose, fall in love with all the, the Moose Boys. <laughs> Make all the Moose Boys go, Wah. I Do don't know these lines. I don't remember this movie enough. I saw it once. <laughs> Note to self, go home, watch Princess Diaries. I'll tweet the gif out for everyone. Okay, good. Markle told Oprah, there's no class on how to speak, how to cross your legs, how to be royal. She described how she would Google the words of the British National Anthem at night to avoid embarrassing the family. I I wouldn't know it either. Exactly. No. Markle is thankful for her values and how outspoken she had learned to be. She speaks of the irony of telling women to use their voice and speak up as she was silenced for four years. As all that bad press rolled out, Markle was never allowed to speak up and defend herself. There were people in place for that, and they never stepped in. So the royal family is made up of two parts, the firm and the family. You can think of it as the family is the store and the firm is like the corporate office. I had no idea. Me either. Like, who, who would know any of this i mean people who do their research and then, and then they're like how dare she not have done her research and marry into this family and i did all the research but i didn't get to marry into the family yeah so i mean well now you're prepared she speaks really highly of the family the family was the queen kate okay. william charles that was the family so the queen was always really kind to her she enjoyed their time she enjoyed their time together Michael speaks of the rest of the family they treated her with kindness but the firm, the firm is who you needed to ask permission. Are these different people or are these so, like yeah, the it's same kind of like a board a different mode? It's different people. So it would be kind of like like the board of the firm. Like there's a group of people. The board of the monarchy. Oh, now, now we can do British accents. <laughs> I was told <laughs> no British accents. Neither of us can do British accents well. So <laughs> sitting here all shocked. All right, I see how it is. Let's see how it is. Anyway, so the firm was a group of people. 
And there were different people that she would go to and speak to and ask for permission. Even just to have lunch with a friend, she would have to ask for permission. She spoke about being turned down for the simplest of requests because of the tabloids. She was told to lay low because she was everywhere. She was oversaturated. But she hadn't left the house in two months. All these stories were coming out about her, and there was nothing she could do to stop it. So Markle had put all of her trust in this firm, right? Mm-hmm. And they were the ones who claimed that she'd be protected. They were willing to lie to protect other members of the family, but they weren't willing to tell the truth to protect me and my husband, Markle says. The firm had the power to shut down stories, and they had done it in the past for other members of the royal family, but did nothing but gaslight Markle. She was told if she did nothing, it would go away. But doing nothing seemed to give the press a free pass. Yeah, I think the more that... The firm didn't stand up for her. The press was like, oh, so she's free game. So we can just write whatever. And Mm. that's exactly what they did. Markle tells Oprah the turning point that happened when she was pregnant with her son, Archie. The firm let the couple know, hey, your son's not going to be given a title. So technically, when Archie was born, he would have used the title Earl. Until this interview, most people thought Meghan and Harry had dropped the title for their son. Like, they were just like, "Mm, we're stepping back from this and we don't want a title. But it was the firm or the institution of the monarchy that didn't want their son to have a title. This was not the case for his cousins. So, but my question is why? Like, is it because he's part American or is it because he's part black? (laughs) So they don't, they don't say. So they've asked for reasons why and they haven't been given reasons why. Oprah and Megan kind of sit there and say, well, what do you think it is? And it's it's very much like both of them are like, it's because he's black. But like, right. But I mean, it would be very easy for the monarchy to ignore that element of mm-hmm. it by just saying because he he's is American. American yeah. He doesn't but have he's this not blah, blah, blah. American because he was born over there. But you can have dual citizenship in certain countries. And I think the UK is probably yeah. one of them. I'm, I'm not positive on that. But even if he was born there, like, you still get to be American. Mm. I don't know. It feels very much like that one drop rule where it's like oh. one drop of blood and, like, you're black. You're just like a black person and we're not about that. But, of course, what now the question is, like, if he had married, like, I don't know, a black princess or something. Yeah. Like, like if he had married, would, would... A prince to princess, would it have been the same? I do wonder. Right. Because yeah. there was the whole thing with uh, Diana not being princess at first, and that mm-hmm. sort of being a scandal because she was a quote-unquote commoner. Yeah. Um, but she was eventually given the, the title of princess, and mm-hmm. Kate received the title of duchess. Yeah. So that... That could have been, and I didn't. Megan, Megan got the title of Duchess as well. Yeah, it be, so it, it only there changed. Have been an issue with the son. Yeah, it only changed when their kid was born. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't really make sense why, and they don't explicitly say why. So it kind of leaves you to make up your own mind about it. And in my head, in Oprah's head, it was a race issue. Yeah, sure. After seeing the interview, I saw a lot of tweets. And think pieces calling Megan entitled and being obsessed with titles. But I feel like those people only watched part of the interview and, like, only saw clips. Sure. In the interview, Markle says, okay, well, he needs to be safe. So we're not saying don't make him a prince or a princess. But if you're saying that the title is what's going to affect that protection, we haven't created the monster machine around us in terms of clickbait and and tabloid fodder. 
you've allowed that to happen, which means our son needs to be safe. Sure. So the ideal is that the title comes with certain things, like a security detail. Right. With this being removed with no actual reason why, when his cousins are getting it, the only real difference was the color of the family. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like like you're saying, she didn't care about the title. She no. just cared about the protection and the safety of her child. Mm-hmm. And if she had the option to be like, okay, tabloids, stop caring about us. Yeah. Then she'd be fine. But mm-hmm. that's not her choice. If she wasn't concerned for their safety, there wouldn't have been a need to like, not even demand because she wasn't demanding. It was just like almost begging. Like, can you please give him a title so he can have protection? And it fell on deaf ears. Right. But speaking of color, Megan told Oprah that an unnamed member of the family raised an issue about how dark their unborn baby would be. Literally, like, I'm t- I mean, I haven't seen pictures of him since he was first born in public. Like, because I don't think anybody has, really. There's, like, one on, like, their Instagram. He's probably, like, 18 months old. But he's pretty white. He is, but I guess if... <sighs> If he's not, like, lily white, if he has any kind of tan, is that too dark for some people? Maybe. And it doesn't matter. Like, he has this this ancestry, so maybe that's the problem. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, this was an actual concern of the monarchy or of the 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 firm, the, I guess. Uh, this was actually a concern of the family. Of the so, family. Okay. Yeah, like, the family brought this up. And they don't say who. But the couple wouldn't relay that info of who said it as it would be damaged them which you know what i say good on them they're yeah being the bigger person here they're not calling anyone out necessarily yeah because i think like they made the distinction like the firm is one group of people and the family is another and to throw your family under the bus is very different than saying like this institution was terrible to me like sure i i think it's very noble of them not to give that information would i like to know of course I would really like to know who said it. So you can just be like, hmm, that one. Not a good person. Right. Between the feeling of being trapped and unsupported, the weight of it got to Markle. She's really brave and honest in this interview. She speaks of not wanting to be alive anymore. That's a lot. Yeah. It's heavy. She explained that the relentless negative media coverage of her and the firm being completely unwilling to stand in front of her and provide any kind of assistance drove her to seek help. She also said her request for mental health care was denied by the firm. She went to them. She says, I need to go into a medical facility or a hospital. The response was a polite, we wish we could help, but there's really nothing we can do. She notes that, you know, you just couldn't call an Uber to the palace. Her passport, her wallet, ID, all of that's taken by them. There's nothing that she has where she can just walk out and check herself in somewhere. That's next level. Yeah. That is really fucked up. I guess because you want for nothing. Like, if you want a a cheesesteak, you just ask the staff and they'll give you a cheesesteak. You don't need your wallet. (laughs) I don't know why cheesesteak, but, you know. know. Um, So Harry was disappointed with his family for never calling out the racist undertones of what happened to his wife. It went beyond gossip when death threats were brought into play. And he was also worried that history would repeat itself. Mm. His mother, Princess Diana, was hounded by the press in the same way. She ultimately died in a car crash while being chased by the paparazzi. And, you know, we're, I'm sure we'll do an episode on Diana yeah. at some point. That's yeah. That's got to happen. But that just has to be so scary for him sitting there and like, hey, I've seen this before. Like, he was 12, I think, when his mom died. Maybe nine. I don't remember. Oh. But he was younger. But like Ashley, tell us. Ashley. 
But it had to be really hard to see that. Like, and now he's closer to it, right? He's in his, his dad's position of it, where it's like, this is happening to my wife. Or, I mean, they were divorced at the time. But, like, this is happening to a person that I love or once loved. And what can I do to stop it? And, I mean, unlike his father, he stood up. Right. You know, he stood up against the firm. So regardless of them being royals or not, it's clear that Meghan and Harry have really good intentions. So they're in California now. They're living their best lives in Santa Barbara. They continue to use their platform to raise awareness and money, for that matter, for causes that are dear to them. So now they've got a deal with Netflix and Spotify, and that's also how they make money because they need to be able to live. Right. They don't have this financial coverage from the the firm or the the, the monarch yeah right they're not which you know what good on them yeah they you know you because, pivot and you adapt yeah yeah you know? because they could have easily stayed underneath the control of the monarchy just for money reasons but they're like this is less it's more important to me to be able to have peace in my house than you know want for nothing right so now they're they're working members of society they have a They started a company called Archwell, Inc., which is named after their son. Mm -hmm. It's a public organization. It's got a charity division and it's got a business division, which is focused on media production. So that's where they've got like the deal with Spotify to do – it's a wellness podcast, I think, that uh, Harry does. And they're going to start doing things on Netflix. And I mean, that sounds pretty great. Live your life. Yeah. Let's talk about the impact that this has had on sort of a larger scale, maybe to the people who are watching Mm -hmm. this interview, people who are watching this relationship unfold or the relationships with the family sort of crumble or fall apart. So I think this had a lot to help with mental health. So Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, maybe in May, but Mental Health Awareness Day is this month. Actually, Sunday, October 10th to be exact. And I think Megan's openness about her own mental health is just one of the many steps in breaking some of the mental health stigmas that exist. Well, some people, (coughs) British tabloids, (coughs) might see it as a weakness or as some sign of being unworthy. Others can see the strength that it has taken for her to open up and the support of her partner and her willingness to not just sit back and be mistreated. Yeah. So we're not covering Diana in this episode, but there have been a lot of parallels drawn between the two women. We know it did not end well for Diana. Yeah. Uh, In an article from March 2021 titled, Why Meghan Markle Discussing Her Mental Health Crisis Can Help Others, we learn that research has shown that the number of people who seek mental health support increases after a celebrity discloses their own experiences with a mental health condition. And experts say Markle's openness about her experiences could potentially help others better see how common these issues are. Normalize it. Simply hearing others talk about their own mental health issues can have a profound and lasting impact. This is true whether the individual is a close friend or a celebrity. So hearing Markle address these issues and acknowledge their realness in her own life gives people the hope that it is something they can handle as well. I mean, after Diana told people that she suffered from bulimia, women seeking treatment for their own bulimia actually doubled. And that's according to the British Journal of Psychiatry. That's kind of amazing. And it must have been so hard for her to come out and do that. And it helped. Absolutely. Allowing your feelings to be heard and validated helps people deal with them and find better ways of helping cope with these issues. 
This becomes doubly important when we think of black women and POC addressing mental health and the mental health stigma. Just think back recently with Simone Biles on the Olympic Games. So obviously race is another aspect that comes into play with the impact on people beyond Meghan Markle herself. Yeah. So there's an article written by Alexander Smith, which he just went around and like asked black Britons like, how do you think, what do you think about this? Like, how does this make you feel? So he asked a bunch of college students and these are just some of the quotes that he got from them. One of them said, I thought, wow, there's going to be a child in the monarchy who, no matter how small, has some African heritage in them. It was so powerful to me. Another person said, the situation reminds us that we shouldn't get too comfortable. No matter how much we think we're accepted into society, we really aren't. That's another, that's the other side of it. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. just really sad because it's like, oh, cool. There's someone who looks like me who's in, you know, my British monarchy now. Like now I can feel maybe a little bit more connected to it. Oh, guess what? They don't want her. Okay. So no matter how fantastic you are, how smart, because it's not like Megan was like an idiot. You know, just some like some whatever off the streets. She had a pretty good like track record behind her. She's an actress, she's a college graduate, and she still wasn't accepted. Mm -hmm. The last quote, I actually felt a bit tearful seeing a foreign woman of color not only being accepted into the royal family, but applauded by the masses filling the streets. It felt like I was part of a moment in history. You know, and when it came to their reaction specifically on the racism that Markle faced, many black British women claimed that they were appalled but not surprised. Yeah. It draws attention to racism in the UK, something that's often dismissed by many who do not experience this racism firsthand. Just because there are not as many blatantly overt acts of racism, although not none, right? Think of the black Mm -hmm. players playing for England in the Euro Championship in 2020, right? But microaggressions are still very real for Black Britons. If someone in Megan's position can't get the help that she needs, what does that mean for the average everyday Black woman in the UK? Institutional racism is still very much a thing in the UK, but the hope is that Megan's situation might help bring more attention to the issue and be a step in making some of the much-needed changes in the country. All right, so what's your takeaway from all this? My takeaway is just that the royal family missed a real opportunity to have a POC in their family. Yeah. Like, they could have had someone who could speak to the black women of their country, who could say, I mean, if people are all about, like, quote-unquote, bootstraps, look where I got. Is that a thing there, too? I would assume anywhere where there's white people, there's going to be somebody (laughs) talking about bootstraps. But she was just, like, a really glowing example of, like how you could be. And they kicked her out, essentially. Like, she left on her own, but, like, she was pushed out. So what does that say to people who live there? What does that say to someone who is trying to achieve something? What does that say to a Black person who's trying to achieve something in that country? Yeah. I don't know. For me, and maybe this is an unpopular hot take, but um, I don't see that the monarchy can or will change. So why not abolish it? Hot take. No, I get it. I mean, I'm with you, but I'm just like, what happens to like everyone who's in line for the throne? Because they don't make laws. Like they don't do anything. Like you're right. So like, why is this still there? When, who's going to be the last one? Like that's, it's going to have to end at some point, right? Because it's not going to be the year 3000 and we're still like. I don't know. I don't know. But I say abolish it. Okay. 
So we have mentioned a handful of resources and references throughout the episode that you can check out if you're interested. So what did you think? Share your thoughts with us. We are absolutely open to suggestions on topics and women to cover. So this week we have a response from a listener about our episode on women and what they wear. Listening to your episode now. So for Halloween, I went to get my son some Halloween shirts from Target and ended up getting them from the quote, girls section, because the boys' shirts were scary zombies and blood and shit, and the girls were orange shirts. (laughs) Blood and shit. (laughs) And the girls' shirts were orange that said boo and bones made from sequins that change colors. This is far from the first time I've shopped in the girls' section for him. And also, he has these shoes that he loves that a kid picked on him for, And we've Mm -hmm. had all these conversations about. They're gray with rainbow hearts. Kid tells him they're girl shoes. We had this whole talk about boys aren't allowed to like hearts. What shapes are they allowed to like? Only squares? And also, why do girl shoes mean something bad? Are girls less than or worse than boys? Hmm. And I also said maybe the problem is this kid is told by his parents that hearts are only for girls but he really likes hearts, so he's trying to be mean so he doesn't Aww. feel sad. That's kind of sad when you think about it like that. Like yeah. this kid's like, I just want to wear shoes with hearts in them and my parents won't let me, but you get to. So I hate you. I mean. <laughs> That's so sad. I like that that this listener is telling us that there, there are all these options that they try to address with their son that they mm-hmm. say hey maybe this is what's happening maybe that's what's happening no. why do we think this at like having those conversations instead of just shutting it down so that's really great in in reference to that last episode where we were mm-hmm. talking about your friend who shops for boy their, clothes their for little a girl, girl yeah. yeah shops for shorts in the in the boys section it's mm-hmm. like just make kids' clothes. Yeah, it should just be genderless kids' clothes. Yeah. Do and you have a child? Do they need pants? Here you go. Do you have a child that wants to wear a dress? Here you go. Anyway. So we just wanted to thank our listener for their message. Yes. And we definitely look forward to sharing more of these comments in the future. Follow the podcast on Twitter at BigRepPod and at Instagram at Big Reputations Pod. Send us your messages or emails at bigreputationspod at gmail.com. We'd love to include your thoughts on a future episode. Yeah, absolutely. Comments like this, they don't have to be very long or elaborate. Just Mm-mm. let us know what you're thinking about the episodes we're putting out there for you. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, really. Share us with your friends and family. Subscribe and please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, It really does help with the search algorithms and we'd love to get the podcast out to more listeners. We also have merch now. Our wonderful logo designer, Samantha Wallace, has agreed to put the logo up on her Redbubble account. So everything is designed and sold uh, under the name Samantha Stiel? Samana. Samana Stiel. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the easiest way to search for it, though. I, I've tried looking for that sometimes. Maybe I misspell it. But uh, you can order a variety of items from stickers to T-shirts to mugs and more. And we'll have the link in the show notes. But mm-hmm. it, I also just went to Redbubble and typed in Big Reputations. And it was yeah. in the top set of choices. Mm-hmm. And the holidays are coming. And so 
Get all your gifts there. Just give everyone Big Reputations t-shirts. Yes. Yes. I, I have a sticker and I have a mug now, so I'm really excited. I don't have anything yet. I'm going to get there. Get there. What are you doing? You're slacking on your own merch? I am. I don't have any money. I just got married. I don't have any money. <laughs> get some money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's sign off with this one. Kim, you have a quote for us this I week? I do. I have a quote from Our Lady of the Hour, Meghan Markle. We just need to be kinder to ourselves. If we treated ourselves the way we treat our best friend, can you imagine how much better off we would be? Absolutely. I love that. And as always, believe women. <laughs>